Listen, this is our last week, uh, week number six on making wise decisions and living a regret-free life. And we've been asking ourselves the question, can we, from here on out, live a life that's free from regret? A life where the decisions we make are ones that we won't look back on years later and go, man, I shouldn't have done that. And we've been talking about that culture has a current And if we just lift our feet up and we let the culture of our day carry us along, it's going to take us to a place that we're going to look back on and say, we've got regret. So how do we kind of stand firm as the current of culture goes by at making wise decisions? And uh, so this week we're talking about um, your life being art, being a masterpiece, and that's the potential that you have. And I've got two pieces of art here. Um, I don't know if you've ever, if you have kids or you've ever kind of just been tired of your kids and so you give them a whole bunch of paint and, and you, hold on, you give them a whole bunch, a bunch of paint and you put them in a room and you put down some paper and you go paint something. I'm going in the other room, right? They're arguing or whatever. And I don't know if you've ever had your kids go, don't come in because they're creating a masterpiece right? So what I have here is a masterpiece created by uh, Emily at three years old and Audrey at five years old. And uh, I'll show them to you in a little bit later. But you can imagine what a masterpiece done by a three-year-old and a five-year-old would look like, right? We don't have to, it's not a stretch to kind of understand. Okay, let's see. You give a kid, a three-year-old or a five-year-old, a bunch of paint and a canvas and you throw them into a room and say, paint me something, right? We've all seen those things. Some of, them have, some of us have them on our fridge or whatever, but, but that's, that's what they are. We'll look at them in a bit. But here's the thing. The reason you have an image in your mind is because there are certain laws, certain principles, certain rules in painting, in artwork, that we know a three-year-old and a five-year-old aren't going to follow. Just like every other area of our life, there's certain laws, certain rules, and certain principles that we follow because we know that's the right thing to do. And what happens is, when, when we have these rules and we have these principles, we have these laws, it doesn't make our decisions for us, but it narrows the focus of our decisions. So, if you're going to, you know, if you need to get uh, from one place to another, uh, there's several routes you can take. If you want to drive from here to my house, there's several routes you can take. But really, you know, because of the way that our laws are and because of the way uh, our society has set up the roads, you, your possibilities are kind of limited, but you can't just go driving through someone's front yard and then, you know, over and drive. Well, I mean, I've watched some of you drive and that might be a possibility, but, but for the most part, you stay on the, ro- on the roads. When I was uh, coming to work this morning, uh, I was at a red light, and uh, there was no other cars there at all. It was 6.30 in the morning on a Sunday morning. There was no cars, and yet here I am at, sitting at a red light. There's nobody coming or anything, but I said, because there's certain laws, there's certain rules that apply to me as I'm driving to work. We see this in, uh, in architecture. When, when Lisa and I uh, were putting an addition on our, the house previous to the one we have, we drew out our plans of what we wanted the addition to look like uh, very crudely <laughs> on graph paper. And then we gave them to an architect who went, oh, okay, I think I know what you, you want a pool. And then we're like, no, that's a bedroom. See, that's, that's me and that's a bed, not a diving board. Okay, forget it. So, so uh, 
we give it to her, and then she comes and she takes the rules of architecture, the principles of architecture. She knows how the roof should be slanted, how many studs need to go on the wall, all that kind of stuff. She draws that out to make plans, right? We see it in sports. There are certain rules. You can't, when you play football or whatever, there's certain laws, certain rules that you have to apply. To make wise decisions, you have to know what the rules are, what the laws are, what the principles are, Okay? But the key to it is not just knowing what they are, you have to submit to them, okay? So when you go driving, like I was driving this morning and the light turned red, I went and I submitted to that law that says you stop when the light's red, you stop when it's yellow, and then you can go when it's green, no, right? right? We submit ourselves to that law. If you had a surgeon and you had to get your appendix taken out, you want the best surgeon to do that. You want a surgeon that's going to follow the laws of medicine, they, certain rules, certain um, uh, practices that they go over and over and over again that they teach in, in medical school, and you want that surgeon doing that. You don't want him going, you know, I'm going to take out your kidney, but I think this time I'm going to go through your throat just for fun, because I think I can get there from here, you know, and there off he goes, right? You don't want that doctor. You want the one who's submitting himself. Not, they, they might all know the rules, but you want the one that will submit to those rules. Okay, we see this all over. Art, architecture, law, in financial. I mean, I don't know everybody's finances here, but there are financial principles that you need to follow. If you spend more than you make, you're going to end up in financial ruin. That's a financial principle. Okay, and now we've seen in recent past in our economy that a lot of people were spending more than they made and all of a sudden the rooster came home to roost, the hen, the, the chickens came home to roost. Thank you. Mental note. <laughs> No more farm references. Okay, uh, yeah, the chicken, you're paying for it right now, okay? That's, that's basically what that means. So, um, so these, these rules, these principles. So it's not, it's not only that we know them, it's that we must submit to them, okay? We all know this. So you can imagine with a kid not knowing the rules and not submitting to the rules what kind of masterpiece they made. Now here's the thing. In our lives, in my life, and in your life, you are right now painting your masterpiece called life. And here, to fill out that blank on the top, it is, every decision you make is a brushstroke on the canvas of your life. And some of you have got a brush that's about this wide, and it's dipped in red paint, and you're going, you know, right down the whole thing. Others of you are trying your best to make it the coolest thing in the world. Others of you are, you know, whatever, you're getting the best paint, the best, what, what have you. But everyone here is painting some type of a masterpiece of their life. My question this morning, and what we're going to be talking about with every decision being a brushstroke in the canvas of your life, how are you doing? How's it going? What does it look like? Is it everything you hoped it would be? Are you, are, do you feel like you're, you're creating the masterpiece that God thought of when he thought of you? See, this was the, question, this was the deal with Solomon. Solomon was the wisest man in the world, and we're going to be looking at one verse this morning, Proverbs uh, 9, 10. 
okay? And so Solomon was the wisest man in the world. And here's what he did. He asked for wisdom and, the, and God gave it to him. And then God gave him everything else, money and women and the whole, well, God didn't give him the women, but we'll get to that in a second. Money, power, right? With his, he was just a great king. He was a poet. He was an architect. Okay, he, was, he, he had a lot going for him. But here's what he did. He took all this money and all this power and he satisfied every possible appetite you can try to satisfy. And because he had so much power and so much money, he was able, and this is what we see with people with power, they're able to uh, mitigate uh, the, uh, the results of that. So he was able to do it and be able to kind of get through kind of uh, scot-free. But here's what, he deci- here's what he learned. At the end of all this, eating the best food, drink, getting wasted, having all sorts of women, here's what he said. I've done it all. I've seen it all, and it's all vanity. In other words, when you try to operate your life outside the rules, outside the principles, when you try to do it your own, when you have your brush in your hand and a bunch of paints and your canvas and you just start painting, when you come out of that room, you're going to find out it's all a waste of time. That the masterpiece that you thought you were creating is actually worthless. And so what I want to talk about this morning is how do we avoid that? And so what Solomon says, he says, I've done it all. I've seen it all. I've tried to operate on my own rules. I've tried to do it without God's help. And it's become vanity. And then in Proverbs 9, uh, verse 10, he says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, we've been asking ourselves the question for, this is our sixth week now, what is the wise thing to do? That's what we've been asking ourselves. And so you would think at the sixth week, it would say, the beginning of wisdom is to ask yourself, what is the wise thing to do? That is not the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is fear. You say, you mean be scared of God? Yeah. (laughs) But not quite the way we think. See, the idea of fear, the the fear of the Lord being the the beginning of uh, wisdom, is the idea that we recognize that he's there and we revere him to a point that we submit. It's recognition and reverence that leads to submission. That is to fear him. And it's hard for us as Americans to kind of get this concept because we, you know, if, let's say, let's say, let's just use a hypothetical question. Like our state's run by idiots. We'll just say that just as a hypothetically (laughs) that, you know, okay. What happens? They, They pass a law and, you know, talk radio goes crazy or whatever. And whatever side of the fence you're on, if it's Republicans or Democrats, whatever, you get, you're either happy or you're sad, whatever. So you write your congressman a letter. You write your state senator, you know, I was outraged by the blah, 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 blah. Okay, right? Okay? Okay. If you did that and we had a king, you'd do it once. And then you'd be dead. Okay, so praise God we live in a country where we can write such letters and you probably should. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just merely saying it's difficult for us to understand the idea that there would be a human on the planet that you would go and submit to. That when they called you in, we talked a little bit about this last week with Joseph, 
who was giving advice to, the, to Pharaoh. You just didn't do that. If you walked in and you didn't put on the right cologne or he, you were offensive to him in some way, you would be dead. And so this was who Solomon was writing to, okay? This, the people who had this mindset of the king. And so when you say the fear of the Lord, they understood. They knew that our God, see, we live in an age of grace. So we, you know, it was grace upon grace and the Lord died for our sins. But we miss this other element of fearing God. And the irony is that in all of our lives, we submit to so many different things, to laws of the land and building codes and, and um, you know, rules at work. And, and we, we, we submit to laws of nature and all this stuff. But for some reason, when it comes to God, we say, I'm going to do my own thing. We say, you know what? I got my paint. I got my canvas. Close the door. I'll be out in a minute. For some reason, we have no problem submitting to different things in our lives. But when it comes to God, when it comes to giving him a blank check to totally and utterly surrender your life to God, there's something in us that goes, well, I don't know. We take the brush in our hand, we dip it in the paint, and we just start painting. And what Solomon is saying is here is, would you for one minute, Would you for one minute recognize and revere that there's a God in heaven who's behind it all that might have something to say about what you're painting? See, we can ask ourselves the question all day long, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? But listen, the fear of the Lord is before you ask that question, you already decide, I will say yes to whatever your answer is. That's the fear of the Lord. So I can ask myself the question, let's say I'm dating someone, okay? Uh, you know, I'm not, but let's say I'm dating someone and, and I go before the Lord and I say, Lord, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? And we already know, uh, you know what? You need to break up with that person. You need to, you need to stop. Now I'm going to do my own thing. You've missed out on the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is to say, God, whatever you say in whatever area of my life, whatever you want me to give up, whatever you want, whatever the cost, my answer to you is yes. Now, I'm going to ask you, what is the wise thing to do, God? And when he answers through recognition and reverence, we submit, we obey. And there's something in us, in all of us, that doesn't want to do that. We want to paint on our own. We want to be left alone. Or we want to hear just a little bit, you know, you might want to put a tree there. Okay, fine, fine, give it to me, give it to me. There we go. And we end up moving on our own because we're not fearing the Lord. Now, go, this, this verse goes on. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. This is the idea that there are aha moments in your, in your life when you see someone either following their own path and going, oh, Lord, that's why you don't want me to do that. Or in our own life, we say we've actually done what the Lord wants us to do. And we say, oh, Lord, thank you for saving me from that. 
See, as we begin to know God and know what he wants and know who he is and know how much he loves us and know what he's done to bring us into relationship, that knowledge of God is understanding. Oh, yeah, that's why you don't want me reading that. That's why you don't want me watching that. That's why you don't want me thinking those things. I get it. But see, until we fear God, until we recognize who he is and understand that he's behind it all and that he wants to paint a masterpiece with you in your life, until you realize that, until I realize that and I say, God, whatever it is, here is my life, here's my checkbook, here's my time, here's everything about me, here's my emotions. The the, the Bible says it this way. Here's all my heart. Here's all my soul. Here's all my mind. Here's all my strength. You've got it all. Until you're ready to do that, you haven't even begun to be wise. And until you begin to look and say, okay, Lord, now I understand why you're doing that. Why, I, don't, I, I might not understand why, but I can see that you have been right every single time. I get it. That knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I'm gonna show you these two uh, paintings kind of get an idea. This was Emily at three years old, and this was Audrey at five years old. So here's, uh, here's Emily. <laughs> and here's Audrey. Okay. Oops, okay. Now you laughed because you know there is no possible way A three-year-old did that, and a five-year-old did that. Actually, one of our resident artists, Celia Zimmer, made those. Thank you, Celia, for giving us your art. Well, loaning us your art. Um, If anyone wants to purchase these, this is $40,000, and that's (laughs) $50,000. Let's start the bidding on $40,000, $50,000. Okay, no, okay, all right. So, right. Now, now let me ask you a question. I don't want you to answer it out loud, because that would be annoying. But I, I just want you to think about it. Why... Do you know in your mind that a three-year-old did not create this? And why do you know a five-year-old did not create that? Think about it. I mean, you just saw it and just went, oh, get out. Yeah. You started laughing, actually, at me. And, and don't say in your mind, well, it's because no way were you the parents of that, someone who created it. Okay? That's, that's cold. Okay? Yeah. You're like, because I've seen you draw and you're terrible. <laughs> okay? No. Why? Think about it. Because this is a key to to your own life. Okay? We all know in our heart that even if a three-year-old knew the rules somehow, their little bodies wouldn't be able to, wouldn't have the motor skills to do it. But really, we know you leave a three-year-old and a five-year-old, they don't, I, don't, I don't have any clue of proportion and perspective and line and shadow, horizon line. They, we, they don't know anything about that. They don't know the principles of art. Now listen, how much more in our lives do we expect to leave portions of our life to our own doing with the, the, with the paint that God has given us and expect that we're going to create a masterpiece on our own. This person had help, right? They had teachers, they had time, they, had, they listened to, they read books, they got, I don't know how many classes Celia's taken, but she's taken a lot. She knows what she's doing because she's submitting herself to the rules of art, 
to the principles of art. And yet in our lives, God, through his greatness and your uniqueness, has pre-designed a masterpiece for you and for me. God has decided before time that he's going to create you. And through his greatness, side by side with your uniqueness, it's going to be an unbelievable masterpiece. And yet we go, leave me alone. I'll do it myself. And we expect to paint this. Now, I got another picture. This was actually done by a six-year-old. That looks more in line with what you're expecting here, right? Right? Because we know you give, that was actually a six-year-old. You give a six-year-old some paints or whatever and say paint something, and you know, and then we look at it and we go, oh, yeah, that's cute. Good job. Wow, I'm so proud of you, right? You know, we're not, but we just say that, okay? Okay. (laughs) But listen, listen, listen. You know, you, you know, you know, come on, good gracious, jeez, I'm kidding, oh, okay, here's the thing, you know what a funeral is, a fu- well, you're like, yes, <clears throat> I can tell you, I've done funerals, some of them are incredibly exciting, but a funeral really is an art show, a, a funeral is where we take the person's art, their life, and we put it on display, And we say, how did they do? And see, the nice thing about a funeral is everybody makes the best out of what they see. So, you know, like you do, I I don't know, have you ever seen art that you didn't really appreciate? And so you're like, wow, that's, that is, that is a, that's a piece. That is, that, that is, that's colorful. I like, I like colors. And that is, that's a colorful, colorful work you did there, right? You don't have any, you know, you can't, do you like it? I'm, oh, oh, man. <laughs> like isn't even a strong enough word <laughs> for what I feel about that, right? This is what we do in funerals, right? If a guy's a jerk his whole life, what do we say? Joe really did speak his mind, didn't he? <laughs> and everyone's just like, oh yeah, God, I hated that guy. We almost done, right? He was an independent thinker, you know. That means he made really stupid decisions, right? And it, because we look at the artwork and we go, man, what a waste. Believe me, I've done funerals that were sad to me because their life looked like that. And I know that I know that I know that God wanted it to look like that. And yet we take the brush out of God's hand. We say, I know I can do it. And some of us, we have a little, it's going like this. It's going just like this. It's looking beautiful. And then all of a sudden we start dating or we get a new job and we take our brush that's about this wide and we just go, and we put a big red splotch on it. And we go, why is God doing this to me? because of our own decisions. See, abstract art, I guess it could be cool. I was reading an article from the BBC about this four-year-old girl who was doing basically that and selling her artwork for like 40 grand. So, you know, parents, sounds like a college plan to me. But, uh, right, abstract art can be cool if you know how to appreciate whatever, but there's nothing cool about an abstract life. There's nothing great about an abstract marriage, about abstract morality or finances, that we just whip it all together and go, ah, I just hope everything works out. 
And see, here's the thing. With God's greatness and your uniqueness, those brush strokes on your canvas can be done exactly the way God designed. But you have to submit. The fear of God, the recognition and the reverence that maybe he's got something to say about it, is the beginning of a life without regret. If you think you're going to just ask yourself what the wise thing to do is and go on your merry way and hope everything works out, you're mistaken. We've all seen lives that have turned out like this. See, the thing about God, he's not going to force your hand. He's not going to say, you know, get out of the way, I'll finish it up. See, here's what happens. God sits on the sideline. As you decide to live your own life, and this might be just one little area of your life, it might be your whole life, but as you decide to do that, God sits back. Listen, he knows what together you can become if you would submit fully to him. He knows what together you could become, but he sits back and he watches what you are becoming and what I am becoming when I don't submit to him. And so he knows. I I don't know if you've ever had this in your own life where you see somebody and you're going why in the world are they doing that don't they see don't they know now how much more does your heavenly father look at you and look at me and go oh if you'd only let me guide your hand if you'd only let me tell you about perspective if you'd only let me teach you about proportion." We could create a masterpiece together with his greatness and your uniqueness.